Hey everybody, it's your boy Corey Ryan Forster here. You're at CoreyWritesForYou.com and what you are about to hear is a lovely little interview I did with my best good buddy, my partner in crime, the butt of my butt, Mr. Trey Crowder. We sat down on our bed in the Cotswolds and we talked about his start in comedy, what he wants to do in comedy, and uh, some other aspirations the man has. And I'm just going to let y'all get to know him a little bit better if you didn't already, which I assume a lot of you do, but maybe you hadn't heard this part about him. Remember, by the way, if you're on this Substack and you would like the paid version, the $5 a month version, which gets you all audio on everything and it gets you everything early, but you're like, hey, man, times are tough out there. I got seven kids. My wife won't quit having them. You know what I'm saying? I ain't got the money. Well, or you're on strike or you're just out of work. It doesn't matter. You know that you can email me at buttercreamcory at gmail.com and I will comp you a subscription. No questions asked. You ain't got to say nothing. All you got to do is say, hey, man, uh, I'd like this for free. And I got you. And if you're on here and you pay for it and you're like, this is bullshit. This is not enough value for my money. Well, just cancel it and then email me and say you'd like it for free. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? We're all just trying to help each other out. So enjoy this conversation with Trey Crowder and remember to take care of yourself. And I love you very much. And I'll talk to you later. See you. Bye. When's the first time it occurred to you that you maybe not wanted to do stand up, but like that you could do it? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think they might have been one and the same, honestly. Because, uh, I mean, the story I normally tell, uh, which is true, is that me and my dad watching Chris Rock Bigger and Blacker mm-hmm. when I was 12, 1998. Um, that's the one where he does the whole thing about Everybody always talks about mama. Nobody ever talks about daddy. Nobody gets big a piece about of chicken. Daddy, the big piece of chicken. All yeah. daddy gets is big piece of chicken. And my dad was just losing his mind, laughing at it, and fucking just eating it up, loving it. And uh, and I remember thinking how hard that was hitting for me, but also that like I thought because I had grown up in my dad's video store, and I already knew I wanted to do like movie stuff. Right. You, you know? are. You are like. Just because of watching movies, you were like, I want to be on the shelf here. Yeah, I already had that in my head. And so then watching that sort of put me in the mode of like, oh, that specifically seems like it would hit. And also, and I mean, I don't know if at the time, I think, I don't know. I mean, I was 12 and I feel like maybe when you're 12, you think, you think you can do that. I mean, I was always like like a funny kid in school and funny with my friends and stuff, so I felt like I could do it. And then after that, throughout my whole life growing up, but especially when I got like a when I got a cell phone, when I got to like college and everything, and I kept. I would Is keep, that when you first got a cell phone? Was college? Yeah. Yeah, because like I got like. After my senior year is when I got one. Yeah, me and too. I always think that's interesting to point out because so many, you know, as millennials. The, the divide between us and the generation above us was like, oh, yeah, y'all grew up with cell phones. And I'm like, no, we didn't. Right. Like, we had a very similar upbringing. Like, yeah, we we're still like, were we're just... on the older end of millennials. Like, yeah. Millennials go to, like, 
like five years older than me and you, I think. But either way, we're on the older end of millennials. But yeah, no, I didn't grow up. I was an illegal adult. Like you were just told be home by five or whatever, and like yeah, I've got, got a whole bit about that right now. But I, like I, as a kid, I would just be gone all day. I mean, all day. Never talked to nobody. No, like no cell phones, no nothing. You know, and but I um, but once I got a cell phone, I would keep. Uh, I started keeping notes in it for things I thought would be funny stand-up bits. But I wouldn't end up doing stand-up until I was 24 when I moved to Knoxville where they had a stand-up comedy club. But, like, I knew... And I also can remember, and I know it sounds raven, but, like, I can remember thinking when I was... When I was younger, like, even in high school and everything up until that, I can remember thinking, like... Because Jeff Foxworthy was huge. Right. Yeah, right. And also, I watched, even in high school, I would watch like Real Time with Bill Maher. My dad watched that show and stuff. And I can remember thinking like... Back when it was good. Just kidding. But I, but like, I can remember thinking even then, like, because I, at that time, I've said plenty of times before, at that time, I thought I was goodwill hunting. Like, I yeah, thought right. I was a straight up prodigious genius. And for those for, for those that might be listening that don't know, prodigious, what does that mean? Because I, I know what it means, but like... Just a prodigy, just another yeah. level of virtuoso, you yeah. know, just like... Sure, I knew that. Otherworldly. Yeah. Incandescent brilliance, yeah. I thought I had. Yeah. And so I remember thinking, like, as a teenager, knowing I wanted to do stand-up one day, I was like, I know I sound like Jeff Foxworthy, but I'm also smart and use big words like more really Dennis Miller. My dad was yeah, a big right. Dennis Miller fan. And I can remember thinking even then it's like Yeah, who wasn't back like, then? I'm, it was awesome. I'm kinda like it's like I I would be like a cross between Jeff Foxworthy and Dennis Miller, which is a really weird thing to be. It's also funny because I think both those guys are conservatives. Yeah, right. <laughs> but that didn't factor into my I, I don't know that Dennis I think from what you hear about a lot of people talking about Dennis Miller is that they would say they go, I don't think Dennis was always a hardcore conservative, but they'll say, 9-11 really changed him. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Which I'd say that it did a lot of people. But yeah, no, I mean, Foxworthy obviously doesn't talk about his politics on the stage, but you have to just assume. Right. At so, least with the base he's cultivated. So, but that, the politics wasn't even part of it. It was just like a smart redneck, basically. Right. I can remember thinking even back then, like, I feel like that could play. Yeah, right. Because I, and actually how Bill Maher factors into it, I remember, like, I'll never forget this because I already had that in my head. And I remember one night on Bill Maher, he had Billy Bob Thornton on and he interviewed Billy Bob Thornton. He was the one on one guest where it's just him and Billy Bob. And uh, I don't remember what Billy Bob was saying. He's just being all artistic and probably pretentious and whatever else. But Billy Bob's from fucking Arkansas and his name's Billy Bob. And I remember Bill Maher at one point, Billy Bob got a laugh, and I remember Bill Maher like sort of chuckling, and he goes, there's nothing quite so charming as an intelligent hillbilly. Yeah. And like I can remember thinking, like, Boom. I, I was like, see, that's it. Yeah, right. Like I was like, that that is the thing I'm going to do, and I don't see nobody else doing that in stand-up, and like I feel like... I could do that. And that never really went away. And I mean, that's what I do to this day. So well, it was always kind of like, that's not, I'm about to get real up my own ass. No, go on. That's here, what we do. But here. I've always felt like you hear other comics talk a lot about like, um, 
finding your voice and they're like, oh, it takes, it takes at least seven years to find your voice. Don't worry about it or whatever. And it does take a really long time to get good, but I felt like my thing. Yeah, you had it. I had it years before I ever stepped on stuff. Like I knew what I wanted to try to do and then I knew what I was trying to do. And that's like the thing that I'm still doing. Like it was kind of fully formed in that way just because like it's just you know i was very different in salon you know i was fucking weird yeah right like i stood out and everything like i was very aware that the thing that i was was a like a unorthodox type of thing and i felt like i could you know uh parlay that into you know, something that worked on stage or whatever. Well, I've probably told you this before, but so when I first started writing stand-up, it was in eighth grade when I first started, like, actually writing jokes. And, like, so I didn't have a cell phone. So, like, I was so used to just pen and paper. Everything was pen and paper. Like, it was, you know, even, I don't know, maybe seven, eight years ago when I actually started putting things in my phone. But, like, have we talked about the fact that before I met you, I actually was working and never did it on stage, but I have an entire like four pages of like jokes that I wrote under the moniker the Progressive Hillbilly. No, yeah, I didn't tell you that. No, you've never. Me told and DJ me that. used to talk about it all the time because I had this idea. I was like, but mine was all gonna be just like you might be a redneck, and I'd have to have the thing to even like go back to any of them. But it was all, but it was basically you might be a redneck jokes, but with a liberal Ben that was, you might be a progressive hillbilly. And like, I'd had this idea, but it was just going to be like, it wasn't going to be my whole thing. It was just going to be a bit that I did. And then like, we kind of met and I was just like, oh, that should just be the whole thing. Like, it shouldn't be a shtick because like, it took me seven years to find my voice. Mm -hmm. Like, and because I was going to go back to him when you were saying. Well, for the record, like I, I used to always really look at it as, and I ended up having a the a liberal redneck bit, but I looked at it as more as just a an intelligent, articulate hillbilly, right? As opposed to just like it wasn't always baldly political or nothing like that. Is right. What I'm saying like it wasn't about like politics specifically for a long time until it was. Because you say that you know you saw Chris Rock and you were like I want to do that and like to me. I'd seen, like, dudes like Chris Rock and, like, I grew up watching, like, The Tonight Show with, like, you know, Gary Shandling and Jerry Seinfeld. And I think we've talked about this a million times where, to me, when I saw those dudes doing stand-up and they were always brought on stages from New York or from L.A., Mm -hmm. I was just like, okay, that's where those dudes are created. And so that's not even a thing that I could be. And then I heard Foxworthy and I was like, oh, shit. That's something I could do that. And then I hear Tim Wilson, I'm like, I can do that. But when I first started doing stand up, I still feel like I was trying so hard to be a comedian and not myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was on stage doing Corey Forster being a comedian instead of just being Corey Forster, the person who, after about seven years, and I remember when it clicked, like, my buddy Kevin Bartolomucci was in the crowd. And I was on stage, and it's like, you know how like you, you have your first memory as a person? It's when you like clicked on. It was like that, but with stand-up. I was just on stage, and all of a sudden, something changed, and I was like, holy fuck. And I got off stage, and he just goes, 
what happened? And I go, I don't know. He goes, I saw something different. And that's when like I was born. So it's just interesting to me that you saw Chris Rock and were like, I, I could do that. You know what I mean? Because I would have never been able to see Chris Rock and think that was something that, that I could aspire to. But then, it, of course, it changed into, uh, you know, just be yourself on stage. And Progressive Hillbilly isn't so much a bit as it is just like a lifestyle or whatever. But did you, when you, you know, you wanted to do movies, obviously, and then you were like, oh, no, I'd kind of like, but, but movies have always still been in the back of your mind. Like stand up, yeah, but you're they, not like the you're not like the actor that's using stand up to get roles and stuff. But like in the back of your mind, there's bigger things than stand up. Yeah, I uh, I mean I um I it was movies and then it switched at one point to uh, TV when I was in college, which was still before I still before I actually started doing stand-up, it kind of transitioned to TV because I felt like TV got better. It's when, like... Yeah, the golden age started. Yeah, right, exactly. That's and, when, like, uh, Breaking Bad came out. Yeah, Breaking Bad was a little bit later, but, like, the, the Sopranos and The Wire right. and stuff like that. But either way, yeah, I've always wanted to do the other thing, but, yeah, never in a... Like, I never... In my head, I was never just, like, using stand-up as a launch pad to get to doing that stuff. I just always kind of wanted to do all of it. Like, stand-up became the main thing, and it is the main thing but like the first thing was do movies right so like that's and that was just like that i see these always, movies on the yeah, shelf right. i want my fucking shit to be up there yeah and so that stuff never went away you know so like i've always had aspirations for both you know that's why i've had all these fucking uh different TV projects and shit the whole time ever since I've had the opportunity to because I still really want to find a way to do... You just want to tell stories. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I just want to I just want to hit. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's like I feel like I can do a lot of the different things, so I want to do a lot of the different things. If that, you know, if that makes sense. If you were something that's not your original IP, but if you were, if Hollywood came to you right now, and I'm putting you on the spot here because I did not prep you for this question, but I've, I've been curious. If Hollywood was to come to you right now and say, we're going to let you do a thing, you get to reboot any movie, like any movie, and we're going to give it to you to reboot it, and it gets the Trey Crowder flair, what would it be? I know my answer, I think. Uh... I don't have, I don't really, I've always. <laughs> Please be the same as my answer. It's not going to be, I promise you. I've always wanted to do a, and I've actually, I've got an idea for a movie that incorporates part of this, but I've always wanted to do a thing that's like a, like a, uh, like a grown up Tom Sawyer and Huck fan. Oh, that's like, like buddy like a buddy cop almost kind yeah, of movie. Like, like after that, they've been on that journey together. Yeah, like, and now they're older. Yeah. Like, like our age yeah. or whatever. Like, uh, like something like that. I don't know if, if, fuck, if Huckleberry Finn counts as a reboot or whatever, yeah. but like, um, that's just the first thing that popped into my head because other than that, I don't have, I don't think I have like ideas for a, a reboot of an existing property. I always, like, I've got, Tons of ideas for different movies and shows and stuff, but most of them are things that I've just like dreamed. Well, maybe up, not which they really remake, even, they really remake. won't even let you do anymore. Yeah, right. I've also thought that it would be too, that that's in the public domain now. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? right. So I could do that. Yeah, right. I could write a version of it if I wanted to. Another thing I've always thought would be funny would be to do a 
new version of like just as a pure comedy, a new version of Pygmalion slash My Fair Lady. Oh yeah, where it's me being civilized yeah, yeah, by yeah. somebody like I'm a dipshit redneck Boy, being taught how to be proper or whatever. You really should have come you really should have come on in the early two thousands because the Shakespeare teen comedies was like a fucking, you know, pretty big thing, right? That was uh Ten Things I Hate About You was Taming of the Shrew and then there was what was the other one? They had several, didn't they? Um yeah, uh, uh, yeah. They made O, which yeah, was Othello, Othello and, and it was, was like the young, cool Tyrese. version. What started all that was that Romeo and Juliet movie yep. with Leonardo DiCaprio, where they made like a hip version of Romeo and yeah, Juliet. Right. That's kind of what started that, and then they had a few. They had a run of those afterwards. I think me and you could take could do a remake of Smokey and the Bandit, like a. I think that a, would fucking right. That'd be right. I, but I think like a still be funny, but like a more gritty version of Smokey and the Bandit, you know what I mean? Where, like, maybe Smokey's got some pill problems or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. I don't it. think... I don't think I've ever farted on this Substack. That might that might make people mad. <laughs> oh, are you just, are you very literary on this? Substack? I, I just realized that Mister Butt hasn't made an appearance on uh, Substack. Yeah, that might be that's very off brand for this. <laughs> is it? Yeah. What for, what is the brand of of this? Uh, well, I mean, I do write silly stories, but I also do like uh, you know, every now and then I'll do this week in Southern history where I'll take a something that happened. You'll never guess this week. Mm-hmm. in southern history mm-hmm. and i'll sort of like give my spin on it and uh you know i've written about depression and uh some dark thematical things about the south and so yeah i do believe that's the first fart that's ever been on here sorry everybody so is it is it serious on here it's not always serious no it's okay. funny it's funny I, like some of these podcasts i'll just go on rants and stuff just trying to give the people some flavor so uh no it's not they, I think that everybody here knows that I fart. Sure. You know I what would, I mean? I would certainly hope that they know that you fart. It's just that I don't think that I've ever... You're the fartiste, buddy. I am you the fartiste. Fart, you yeah. fart. I don't... I just think that... Everybody knows anything about you knows that you fart. <laughs> I know. I just don't think... I think that a lot of people may know that I fart, and they're like, yes, but on his Substack, he's a little bit more proper. Yeah. You right. know? Where do you see it going? What? Everything. Like what's if you're <laughs> no, no 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 if you'd asked me not, fucking six years ago uh, what's your what's your dream back forty you know because like I think I think that's a thing that every artist fantasizes about is like the back forty because it's this mythical place where like we've achieved all the stuff that we aspired to do on the front load of our life and we've made so much money that we can now do this thing that is like. Maybe we wouldn't have got paid for it, or maybe it's just a passion project. So, like, the back 40 of your career. So, like, I don't know. Let's look at some dudes that have uh, some... Like, Liam Neeson's back 40 has been wild. You know what I mean? Like, his back 40 has been... He shifted into action movies and did a completely different thing. Um, Alec Baldwin's back 40 has been comedy. You know what I'm saying? Like, so... What do you, like, if there's something that you're not actively working on now, but you've just got it tucked away in the back of your brain of, like, that's not the thing I do, it's not the thing I'm good at, but if I ever crush and I'm allowed, what will Trey Crowder do? I mean, if I've already, in this hypothetical scenario, if I've already hit real you have, hard... You have, Then I think I would just make, like, like, little, like... 
indie movies, probably shit that hits for me, mm-hmm. uh, and be like writer director, probably star, yeah. maybe just all that complete just, auteur, just, just auteur shit. Yeah, I think is what I would do if I had the ability to just green light anything that I wanted to do, you know. But again, but actually though, a lot of my like pie in the sky ideas right now are kind of they're sort of big. Yeah, right. Like I've told you before, I've got this like... Oh yeah, talk about this. I know, because I thought you were going to go movie there with the Huckleberry mind. Finn thing. Well, Huckleberry Finn's a character in You're it. Right. A grown-up Huckleberry Finn's a character in it. I've got in mind this idea for a movie uh, that's like a... It's like a modern fairy tale that uses a lot of like southern folklore characters Rare in Rabbit it, and the you line. know? Yeah, right. And it's like, and I keep like... Okay, I've... At multiple points, I've been thinking about this idea and then went and Googled, is Br'er Rabbit racist? <laughs> yeah, I think so, yeah. And it's like, I really... But the whole point of the thing is that it's like... it's a, It sounds so bad. But it would be like... It would be like a super progressive song of the South. Right. It would be like trying to reclaim some of that shit right. in a like progressive vision or whatever. But not so. in like a revisionist way. No, or, it takes place in... All, it basically takes place in Hillbilly Narnia... Yeah. So it's like two, so not the six one six. It's two kids in so in in deep Mississippi, uh, like two like nine year olds. They're like best friends, like a little white boy and a little black girl. They're playing hide and seek in the fields or whatever, and one of them falls in this like gopher hole, but it's a big underground thing, and they can't get out. The other like one, a labyrinth or something. Yeah, the other one goes down there to re- to try to save them. Now they're both stuck, but they see light at the other end of it, and they come out of it, and it's like coming out the wardrobe, and now they're in Hillbilly Narnia, but they don't know it. And uh, and it's like an alternate universe version of the Barnia? Song. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Barnia. And they end up wrapped up in this hole. Turns out there's a prophecy that they would arrive and save these people from this, like... Uh, nefarious force this guy that wants to gain this power to manipulate time and the idea is that like time is not meant to move backwards it's only meant to move forward oh that's perfect and he's trying to rewind the clock right and can i guess what he looks like to do that super fat white haired kind of balding got a uh stop like got a pocket watch yeah boss man yeah exactly yeah. and they get, got a scrooge kind of demeanor and along the way they meet uh, Br'er Rabbit and John Henry and Huckleberry Finn and uh, was Johnny Appleseed us? Uh, I mean, he could be. He's not part of it right now. Funny thing about but that, I'm saying, was he the South? I don't know if he was the, the South or just like sort of like Americana. Yeah, it sounds like a know. Southern thing. But uh, funny side note about that is he uh, argued sort of the first time I ever did stand-up. It wasn't stand-up, but I had a speech class in college. Yeah, me too. And we were given the assignment of eulogizing somebody, Mm -hmm. and it was supposed to be very serious and reverent. But I eulogized Johnny Appleseed and just made fun of it the whole time about how silly of a thing it was. Yeah. And, like, crushed. Like, fucking everybody was laughing. Like, I'd run into people on campus... You know, the next year that would be like fucking Johnny Appleseed, man. Yeah, that was great. You know, or whatever, and uh, and got an A on it and everything. And that was kind of like my first sort of like cheating, like cheating my way into doing stand up. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But anyway, yeah. And they just uh, 
yeah, all these other characters. Annie Christmas, you know who Annie Christmas is? I don't think so, no. She's like, a, or Flatboat Annie, either one. Flatboat Annie, yeah, well, yeah. That, that's yeah. Annie Christmas. Okay, it's yeah, the same yeah. character. But anyway, like people, like people like that, and one of the, it's not the main um, villain, but like one of the villain's primary henchmen is the Bell Witch, who's like a Tennessee yeah, right. folklore person, so there's like witchcraft involved, and... And uh, I'll, I'll you'll have to put green eyes in there. I'll have to give you some. Yeah, you've told me about green, green eyes, eyes before. Yeah. But yeah, like shit like that. And uh, that's like is the Mothman us right now? I don't think so. I think yeah. that's up. Yeah, upwards. right. But I've I don't want to like get into all the like specifics of it and everything. But I've got like you know I've got versions of it. Uh, like in, fully in my head, not the whole thing like start to finish, but like sort of. Right. Like I have sort of the uh, the the narrative of it, and I've got some set pieces that I think are real rad, but I don't want to like I don't want to get into them right now. But if I could like, but you said like back like back nine like you're this is later like that's like my dream. Like if I could snap my fingers and have any project happening right now, it would be that. Well, I'll, we'll count that. And also, it would be for the record, it's a kids movie. Well, then I'll, well it's then, like a, it's like a, um, yeah. well, you know, it's like the Chronicles of Narnia right. or Harry Potter or something. It's like, it's like that. It's like a family friendly, like adventure movie, but about Southern uh, folklore characters. Okay. Well, and super, super, you know, it's like an allegory. It's got a lot of well, yeah, I mean, social the, the commentary, past, the past not shit. moving. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, and there's a th- like that, like, uh, like one of the set pieces, the bell, Witch animates these old, uh, soldier statues that come to life and Confederate attack the main soldiers. character. Well, they're not like, they're not in technic, that, in, in, in the alternate, alternate universe, universe right. it wasn't like a confederacy, but there was the equivalent, you know, but like, uh, but they come to life and are attacking the main characters and John Henry like fucking baits them to death with a with hammer. With a sledgehammer. Yeah, destroys right. Destroys them all, which like, it's super violent, but you can do it because they're made it's out animated. of, animated. Well, they're, they're stone. They're stone. Right. So you just like breaking stones down. So like shit like that, like it will be eat up with all kinds of my sort of you know, fucking liberal messaging or whatever. But right. hopefully in a like, like in a fable type of way or like an allegory type of way, you know. So, um, yeah, that is either that or I have another one that's for a TV show that takes place in like an underground city after Southern City. No, just. Because that's what the, my next question was. Do you want to do anything that doesn't have anything to do with the South? I would, this doesn't have anything to do with the South. It's like we've scorched the surface of the earth. Mm-hmm. We've retreated underground. We live underground now. And it was sold to everybody as this like, I mean, honestly, I could sit here and talk for three hours about this one, but I'm not going to. But it's like, it was sold to everybody as this like, not everybody can go down there, obviously. You had to be it's allowed a money in. Thing. And yeah. it, well, so the idea is it was sold to everybody as a like meritocracy. It's right. like these are the people essential to the rebuilding of society, right? So like the smartest people around and scientists and engineers and people with like ex- subject matter experts and disciplines that were important to civilization, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and they were led by the guy universally recognized as the smartest man on earth, right? So he's like supposed to be like an Elon, Elon Musk, Musk. But except the thing is, I've had this idea for five years before Elon Musk had his heel turn, right? Right? And but it was like, and everybody bought into this, and it was it's like this utopian idea. And then the sort of twist of the first season is that like that none of that's real. It's all deep fakes. It's all just it's just rich people, right. and it always has been. 
they let a few like smart people in, you know, to like sell the lie, but now they're subjugated to, but the people running the show are just fucking bankers and stuff who bought their way on board, but nobody knows that. So then they find it out and they're like, they blow it up and then a revolution starts and whatever else, you know, yeah, revolution's good. Yeah. So it's all like, all my ideas have that sort of, you know, <laughs> fucking, yeah commie shit going on in them. I mean, that's fine. I love it. All right. I guess I'll uh, I'll end with this because I'll, I'll shift a little bit because when we were talking about the back 40, you said something like, well, actually, I, that's just something that I'd really like to do now. What does... But I'll be completely honest with you. Back 40, if I've hit hard enough, just chill. Okay. Mostly that, just that, chill. That's what I was and, gonna... then, and then, and then if, if, I, if I'm a super hitter in this scenario we're talking about, Produce. something comes across my desk that right. hits real hard, I'll do it. But if I've already smashed real hard and established myself and made enough money, the back 40, back, why, you keep saying back 40, isn't it back nine? What's back 40? You've been saying back 40, haven't you? Or did I just make that up? Maybe no, I've been saying back forty, but but, but it's maybe back it's like nine. forty years, like your first forty years, and then your last okay, forty years, because right. like men live to be eighty. Okay, maybe. All right, okay, yeah, but yeah, there's just, the front forty and the back forty. I thought it was the front nine and the back nine. You're the golf. Well, guy. there there is that, but, but ain't that where that? I mean, that's where that comes from. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Either way, like, if I've already hit hard enough. And establish myself and everything, then like, really, all I aspire to is just uh, chill, chilling, <laughs> and, yeah. and and only doing only doing shit that super hits for me whenever I want to. You, you know? don't think you'll still have yeah, that? Like, I'll have I because yeah. I was gonna say like the thing that got no, you I'll into it was a creative ideas. drive. No I'll amount always, of money is gonna like. I'll always have, but if that shit is like. Writing a fucking book of short stories at my own leisure that takes four years right. that nobody even wants. Well, that's really. cool though. Like, then I'll just do that because the idea is that I can do whatever I want to do, you know? But like, the shit that I really want to do is stuff that, like, I really want to do right now. I'm just realistic about the fact that I'm not going to be able to do that stuff right now. Right. It's stuff that I'm, like, in my head, hopefully building towards, you know? One last question. Don't say you. I know that you worked at the DOA, DOE before this. Yeah. That's that was a job that you had just to pay the bills while you did comedy. Mm -hmm. Wasn't your passion. Mm -hmm. None of that. Comedy's your passion. I get that. But if right now, knowing everything that you know now, you had we move you back to eighteen and comedy. They go listen. You can't do comedy. You had to start your life over. You've got to pick another thing that may make you as happy. Yeah, and and I'm and I'm talking about oh, no, no I'm easy. talking about no entertainment world at all. Like no entertainment I, world dude, at all. Mine's easy. What is it? Academia. I'd be a professor. Right. Be, yeah. Because like I you always, don't think like you'd want to go into like baking and like I cooking always, and stuff. I always crushed so hard at school. Right. <laughs> I was always so. You think that'd make you happy though? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, right. I do. Because you I'm look pretentious. good and, and you look great in a tweed jacket. And dude, with my glass, like dude, yeah. I would fucking rock the shit as a professor. Yeah, you would. Being a some kind of professor someday is not out of the realm of possibility for me right now. No, I buddy. agree. <laughs> I mean, hey, I just saw that. Like, <laughs> but I like, think. I think that, Talib it's Kweli, definitely that. I think Talib. No, no, no. Lupe Fiasco is he's teaching a rap class at like Cambridge or some shit yeah, like dude. that. I've always thought like I could, you know, I've always been kind of against comedy classes when they're like the give me two hundred dollars and I'll get you on stage. But like 
it, I love the history of comedy, and I could see, like, if this is a back 40 thing for me, maybe, like, I hit hard enough, and, like, I teach a class on, like, yeah, the I, art I of comedy totally and stuff. I totally get into that. I could if see I'm myself just chilling, but that. I'm, like, an adjunct professor yeah. at Vanderbilt. Got a residency. At Vanderbilt or something, and yeah. I teach, like, some fucking theater or comedy or film classes or something. I, dude, I could totally get into yeah. that. Yeah, well, I could be into that. Now, you, you would crush that. Well, hey... Uh, we're, we're at the end of this thing. Tell everybody where they can find you and all that stuff. Plug, promote. Just at Trey Crowder, T-R-A-E Crowder, anywhere on the internet. Yeah. com. I assume that there there surely isn't anybody on this sub stack that is like, who the fuck is this guy? But if you are, this is my best friend in the world, uh, my comedy partner, my business partner, my fucking, the blood of my blood and butt of my butt, but Trey my Crowder, butt. and I thank you. Dick. Thank you so much for uh, being here at CoreyWritesForYou.com for this first of maybe many little tiny 30-minute interviews. I appreciate it. Hits. Bye.